This is Aspire, Arc Street Public Radio, a content-driven platform broadcasting interviews from our Innovate, Innovate Media, Innovate CSR, and Innovate Under 30 podcast series. Aspire gives public voice to socially conscious and forward-thinking leaders within the nonprofit and for-profit sectors, academia, journalism, and social entrepreneurship. My name is Anne Ulizio, Director of Special Projects for Art Street Press, and I will be your host today. Today, our guest is Dennis Lennartson, CEO and founder of the European Sign Language Center, a nonprofit organization headquartered in Örebro, Sweden, the sign language capital of Europe. The organization's mission is to document and make sign, sign language dictionaries and translations available for millions of deaf and non-deaf people across the world. Dennis and his colleagues at the ES, ESLC are working to address a lack of a vital enterprise that can serve, connect, and expand the number of sign language users globally. Since 2006, the organization has been successful in documenting more than 200,000 words into sign language and has expanded to 25 countries around the world. Although multiple sign languages at sign languages and sign language dictionaries have long existed, these tools are not readily available to deaf communities, which creates a barrier to learning, to reading, writing, and communication. So without a mechanism to mobilize and provide a means of communication, deaf populations will continue to be marginalized, and roughly 80% of those who are deaf globally will, re- will remain illiterate. Dennis grew up in the town of Arebro, a small town with a large deaf population, where the second most common language after Swedish is in fact sign language. He was exposed to these challenges faced by the deaf community at an early age, as his brother was hard of hearing, and his parents fostered children in their home who had attended the National School for the Deaf and Hard of Hearing in Arebro. So after finishing high school, Dennis studied sign language for five years to become an interpreter, leading him down the path to create the European Sign Language Center today. So Dennis, it's such a pleasure. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you very much. Pleasure to, to attend. Great. So your, your environment growing up had obviously seems to have a profound impact on your path to become a social entrepreneur and your life's work on improving the lives and experiences of deaf and hard of hearing people across the world. And it's, you know, it's remarkable that the town of Arebro is home to more sign language interpreters than in the entire country of India. Is that correct? Uh, that is correct. Uh, and I think that says more about uh, probably the lack of interpreters in India than the <laughs> Sure. Too many interpreters in, in Örebro. <laughs> sure, sure. So um, can you tell us about growing up there and, you know, just being exposed to the challenges faced by the hearing impaired at a young age with your brother, with the foster children that were in your family? Um, just talk to us a little bit about that, if you would. Yes. Uh, well, uh, my mom for, uh, first, uh, she she was working with the disabled who were hard of hearing or, or deaf, and I, I often went with her. To, to job since uh, both my parents were working I sometimes had to have to go with my mom uh, and uh, uh, there I uh, experienced meetings with the uh, uh, with the deaf community uh, which uh, also had uh, multiple disabilities uh, um, but uh, in in Sweden and uh, in Örebro uh, there there is and there was a, a, a good structure for for my brother, for instance. Uh, he was uh, very well backed up. Uh, we had a, this old lady, she came home to our house uh, 
once every other week to learn my brother how to pronounce word because he couldn't hear obviously some of the nouns in words so he he got help from from that and uh, there was also the possibility that you could uh, uh, that the family could learn sign language but it, it was very limited it was limited to there was this book that we called uh, like the blue bible that had about 300 words or so in black and white pictures with arrows pointing and uh, with no expressions at all so uh, basically you didn't learn so much from that uh, but you learn by integrating with, with other uh, deaf and, and hard of hearing and uh, with the uh, with my family being hosts of other like foster children who, who attended to school uh, since uh, Örebro is the national school for, for deaf and hard of hearing. So uh, if you're deaf and live in the northern parts, you're most likely are to go to school in Örebro. And then most people stay also because uh, so many know sign language. So it's like everyone in town knows sign language. And uh, that creates also a, a community. And uh, being deaf coming from uh, like a small town and... Uh, like the minority group you uh, you are uh, it's it's so much easier to to live with that's that's fascinating so Arebro's essentially function as a sort of petri dish for you in a way it's you know there was this deaf community that was obviously very strong and in the sense that you know the school was there and there were um, a lot of sign language interpreters and most people seem to have known sign language in that town but um, you know, obviously being able to see the lack of, like you said, the blue Bible, just having only 300 words, black and white pictures. There's so many other ways to integrate those communities rather than just this sort of, you know, basic, uh, basic guide for the hearing impaired. That's very interesting. So from there, you, I, I understand you studied sign language to become an interpreter. And you also later in, later forayed into photography and advertising. So how did, right. how did you sort of balance these interests? And um, maybe tell us about the moment where you decided that photography and advertising was um, was not the not the right path for you. Well, basically, I spent uh, the first three years in the upper secondary school uh, learning sign language. Uh, uh, since you, you could choose that instead of learning like French or Spanish, you could choose sign language uh, and really learn that. And then I applied for the interpreter school, which was a two-year uh, education. And I, I did that. Uh, and then uh, basically, I after two years, you could do like a test. And uh, I flunked the test. I, I was the only guy. It was about 60 girls at the school, and I was the only guy. And I had something like two errors on the test, so it was, I almost made it. Uh, but then I, I felt that, well, I spent five years doing this. I really know sign language, but, uh, well, that wasn't my day. So I started looking at other other things to do. And uh, I, was, I was kind of bored at sign language at the moment. And I didn't felt like, well, maybe sign language interpreting is, is not my thing it seems kind of stressful and you know having flunked the test do I want to do the test again uh, I started thinking in in other areas and so I applied for the the photo school in Stockholm and I this was a hobby I had uh, since long uh, before I also I had worked uh, uh, 
uh, for some years uh, before my military service, I, I worked as a, a model. So I had uh, went into that world and I, I had worked with maybe a, a couple of hundred photographers. So I've been on that side of uh, uh, of the area, and I really I wanted to be on the other side, creating pictures instead. So I I, I made up uh, or I I took uh, pictures to a portfolio, and sent it to uh, the photo school in Stockholm, and I uh, I got the last place there, and so uh, I was very happy about that, and. Um, uh, it, this was a one-year education with an additional digital uh, complementary education. But after one year, I titulated myself a photographer, and I, I started work, uh, working professionally since I already had uh, these great contacts with all the production companies that I had worked with as a, uh, as a model. Uh, it wasn't any problem for me to, to get uh, to get job. But... Uh, uh, at the same time, I I had um, I had one foot left in uh, this um, uh, place uh, for disabled with in Stockholm. Uh, who they they lost all their um, staff in this uh, tragic boat accident in Estonia, uh, and they had called me in for because I had worked extra there, and that was kind of a. Uh, uh, that, that, that was how, how I, on a like a, a regular basis, came back to the sign language, and I felt that well, this is an environment that I'm really comfortable in. It was so on the other side of what I was doing as a fashion photographer. Uh, so it was like, yeah, being a part of the two worlds: one with a lot of glamour and fashion models, and the other one with uh, this disabled people, deaf people, disabled that um, uh, I, I work with as an assist, assistant, you know, uh, helping them from uh, everything from feeding and going to the toilet and uh, and giving them uh, uh, medicine and uh, yeah, uh, care for them in this uh, habitant uh, living in this uh, apartment in, in Stockholm where they. And they helped this. So uh, and uh, I I uh, I went from being photographer to uh, to start an, an uh, design agency with a friend or a design bureau. It was a small company that grew grew into an advertising company where we were uh, five five people working there. But we got some really good accounts uh, in the beginning so we, we went very well but uh, um, there, there was something something missing in my life there and I, I uh, um, on a regular basis I because I moved to Stockholm when I was about 20 years old after my military service and I had uh, regular contact with my old old friend Thomas uh, and he told me about uh, well, actually, he, he addressed this this problem because he was working as a, a social science teacher for for deaf students at the upper secondary uh, school uh, for deaf, and uh, he wanted to send his his pupils to uh, like mobility exchange, and they wanted to yeah, they went to Spain and. Uh, but during this exchange, they they didn't know any any other languages than Swedish sign language. So they needed to know Spanish sign language and they sent like faxes with, with arrows and pictures and how, how do you 
how do you assign engine, a like core engine, and how do you assign throttle? And uh, uh, so, so he he found this. It was like, a, and this was like in the, when people were really starting to use internet, but the, the it was really slow, you know, with, with video content to get. But uh, he, he uh, we sat together and. Uh, he wanted to send in an application to to, to an EU fund, and uh, we talked about. And he asked me, "What are we going to call it?" Hey, you you were you working in advertising? Well, maybe we should just call it "Spread the Word." I said first, and he looked that up, and it was um, it was taken by a, a Christian right movie something in 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 the states actually. Like "Spread the Word." It was something. Uh, 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 religious uh, organization, so we couldn't have that, so it uh, ended up being spread the sign instead, being very descriptive. Uh, and the application was sent in, and we got grants to to start uh, building this. And uh, this was something that was that my friend Thomas, uh, who came up with it, uh, he integrated this in school. So uh, for a couple of years, it was a school project. But then the the city council, who was the actual owner of the project, since he was a teacher. They didn't want to bear the cost of the continuing of this. So, in 2009, I founded European Sign Language Center uh, with Thomas, my friend, and uh, uh, four others, uh, so we could uh, make sure that this was not going to be a product uh, thrown away in, in the garbage. But we really wanted to continue what has been built during that uh, that time. Uh, so, uh, with my experience being an entrepreneur in photography and advertising and, and PR and so forth, I, uh, I uh, created a launch at the government building in, in Stockholm where we invited the Her Majesty the Queen to be like the, the grand opener of this, this launch. And of course, she is followed by, by many. Uh, and. Um, uh, by many, I mean uh, press and media, and uh, so we got the Ministry of Education to to be a host of the event, and we got the Ministry of Culture also to attend, and we got uh, like two hundred people from from media and uh, from all over Europe. Ger Germans are a really fan of of the Swedish Queen; she is half German and half Brazilian. So we build an event around that to, to create like the hype uh, around. So because we wanted to get more more users to this, and uh, it was a real success in growth over national TV. And we also invited uh, the ten. We had ten countries at the moment then, and uh, nine of the ambassadors said yes to to attend at the launch. So we also had nine ambassadors from nine countries. We had the Queen, the ministers, and. Uh, uh, it really become like the, the new start of European Sign Language Center's uh, aim to, uh, and our vision is that every every deaf child in the world should have access to to uh, to their language, basically. Before before we jump into the, I guess the more lo more logistical side of the model for the European Sign Language Center, I just like to just like to pick your brain a little bit about the actual the barriers that the hearing impaired and the deaf communities across the world specifically face uh, it's certainly certainly an issue that not a lot of people read into very much just in terms of uh, a lack of awareness of the these problems and um, you know maybe just assuming that sign language is a 
is a global approach and maybe not realizing the internal workings of of the languages across uh, across the world and in different countries and how they how they function. So can you just describe again these barriers and what what a, a deaf or hearing impaired person might face in in the acquisition of a language and the ability to communicate? Well, it's, it's so different uh, all over the world, and the, the status of the, the sign language uh, is very different. Like in India, for instance, uh, you're not allowed to use sign language in school, and deaf children, they must uh, learn how to read lips and how to pronounce words, because that's, uh, that's how the government think it should be done basically and it was a little bit like that in in the swedish in sweden in the 30s and the 40s where you you wanted to adapt deaf to society by learning them to read lips rather than uh, teaching them how to read uh, sign language so um, and in in, in most countries, sign language is not approved as an official language, uh, which is a huge problem because uh, if it's not recognized, it's 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 uh, it's very hard to to be heard, and it's very hard to to uh, I guess affect uh, governments to to give uh, deaf rights and a right to use their uh, language uh, in all areas and and so forth. But I mean. Same time, it, I I don't have uh, a fully globally overview on how it is in in all the countries, but I I do see that it's it's very different from from Sweden, and you're very privileged if you're if you're deaf and live in Sweden, you do have the right to, to interpreters if you want to attend an education, or uh, so they they put in enormously big resources to to uh, empower and and integrate. Uh, uh, deaf in Sweden, but uh, the deaf in Sweden are are decreasing because uh, the, you you uh, um, operate or you, you have surgery on basically all the deaf children that are being born today uh, are are getting a cochlea implant, which is like a, a digital hearing aid that you 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 put on the hearing nerve cells or uh, so, so, uh, but at the same time that it's it's the deaf community is decreasing, it's 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 growing in other parts uh, where uh, where they don't have this uh, the resources to to help uh, specifically. But look, looking at it globally, there's about seventy million deaf and. 80% of those, they, they can't read and, and write. Uh, and this is when it becomes interesting because uh, a year ago I, I got some grants to build something that we called T3 in Sweden. It's text till tecken, which is pretty much text to sign. So this is like a Google Translate for Sign Language where we match every word to a recorded sign. And we have done this in, in high definition resolution with a seamless video record. And, and we, we had... Uh, developed uh, uh, a word analysis tool to uh, and put metadata to every video so it, it, it collects uh, it recognizes the right word to the right it's like there's another device on the market it's called the read speaker we have synthetic voice to to the words to to help uh, seeing impaired but this is made for uh, people who are in need of uh, of sign language and uh, we we just finished the, the 
project and we're going to put it out uh, on the market this fall to the to the public sector because there is a requirement from the government since 2009 sign language in Sweden was classified a minority an official minority language and uh, which gives it uh, more rights and uh, uh, so the requirement from the government is all all information in public sector must uh, be in sign language uh, and of course this is very expensive and they, they can't really fill fill this demand so uh, what they try to do is to have one or two pages on like in the city council in Örebro, not even in Örebro it's uh, it's uh, interpreted uh, into sign language because uh, uh, you know there's new information every day and it's uh, they, they would have like several full-time employed interpreters just to to cover like one web page in Örebro they have I think between eight and ten thousand pages of information and one page costs about uh, five thousand crowns which is almost like one thousand dollars and that times yeah ten thousand times it yeah become it becomes too much sure. in, in their budget sure. so we have optimized optimized or what do you call it, uh, this uh, with the T3 tool. And, and this is a way for us, because it's very hard to survive as a like, fairly new NGO, mm -hmm. uh, because we don't get any governmental supports or something like that at all. We, we have to apply for, for private uh, funds uh, and, uh, and uh, apply in, in, in different projects. For instance, we have this... Uh, private fund in Sweden is called Jocknik Foundation so I set up an application to help uh, countries like uh, Russia, India, Ukraine, Bulgaria and Romania and we got uh, because I know they, they were established in those countries because these were the founders of Oriflame and they have this uh, foundation called Jocknik where they want to do good in society so I, I let them choose, choose the countries uh, where they what fitted them the most to have a dictionary, uh, and this is a way for us to to uh, survive as an as an NGO. But also, I don't know if you if I've told you about uh, Reach for Change. It's a social entrepreneur incubator program, uh, which I applied for two years ago. It's owned by a Shinevik. It's it's a big uh, big company in in Sweden and. Uh, uh, what you do is you you apply. Normally, it's like one thousand applicants on on four uh, places for, uh, and I, I was lucky to get one of those four. So they supported me with salary for for three years, and with their network and advisors, and we have uh, barrier breaking sessions and a lot of leadership workshops and uh, social entrepreneurship and what's that about and how is it being a change leader and and so forth. So and uh, that has been really good uh, for me to grow uh, within a bigger perspective. And uh, during these three years, the, the the third and most important year is it's it's where I am now, uh, and that is to how can you find a sustainable solution for your organizations to survive, not being fully dependent on uh, like grants and funds. And so so that's why I created this. Um, the T3 tool, the Google Translate uh, device, because uh, the public sector they uh, uh, 
they will have to pay for this license. It's a plug-in license to, to put it on their web, and we will uh, tailor-made a solution for every every council in, in Sweden. There's about 300 of them. Uh, but since we have all the we have the big content of basic words, about 20,000 Swedish signs already. So uh, yeah, we are offering right now. I, I'm in a sales mode now because I'm out meeting uh, the public sector, and uh, to, at the same simultaneously, I'm, I'm working on, on the business model to, to find a you know exact uh, price acceptance for for a device like this. And uh, it, it's it's be I'm doing really good now, and the, it's being very well. Uh, taken into the everyone I meet are very happy since since they haven't seen anything like this before and it really and this is what I'm uh, what's a small well small uh, what is a device that that helps some in Sweden because uh, all all deaf can can read and write in Sweden basically uh, but this was it this was originally built uh, for disabled, uh, you know, or dys- dyslexia, or uh, yeah, you have children that uh, well, they can't read and write, but they use sign language. I, I have a, I'm a caretaker of a boy. You know, he's he, he has Down syndrome and he's he's deaf, and uh, he uh, he needs sign language support in his day to day basis to to function. But what's really interesting is to, to come back to the, the 80% of the, of the 70 million deaf, 80% cannot read. So imagine this device in like uh, Uganda or Ethiopia or, or India or other places uh, where you, if you're deaf and cannot read uh, with this device, you could like market text just like Google Translate and have it translated into to sign language. So that, that's what we're aiming at. Uh, to, to to prevent the literacy and uh, to to help uh, uh, this minority group uh, to get the, the content of the internet in in uh, a language that they understand. And and Dennis, you mentioned that in India the sign language is not recognized, and essentially children are, are forced to lip read. Um, and sign language is not an acceptable form of communication. So, in are there other countries across the world that might be facing the same problem? And if so, how would, um, how could a, a tool like T3 or the um, the sign language centers model? How could that sort of infiltrate a society like that and and sort of help these these populations in need? Yeah, uh, what we see there's about six billion uh, uh, computer users, and by 2020. There will be about 50 billion connected devices, meaning uh, iPhones, smartphones, iPads, computers. And uh, what I see, for instance, we, we have a collaboration with uh, DefLink in Uganda, and uh, uh, their organizations they they travel around in the villages and they 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 track uh, down and, and find the deaf children because deaf children are not sent to school uh, at all, so, so so they are excluded from from the society in that way but they take them to school but once uh, when they are in school they are they are banned to to read lips because they don't have any content or information or videos of science and so so that's where we step in so we can like provide uh, 10,000 words in uh, if it's Uganda and uh, we can have the add the T3 tool and also the hand alphabet 
uh, typography. Uh, so we have created an application for that as well. So, so it's, a, uh, it's a device where you press in the letter A on your computer and you have the A uh, on the computer and the A hand. And that, that's how you start learning the hand alphabet together with, uh, 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 with your parents or uh, with the community or with the teacher. And, and then you can start build sentences and you can start. So we, we, we want to see this like a an, an, an self-playing piano in the long term that anyone can go in and, and learn. If you can press a digit on your computer, you should be able to learn the hand alphabet and from that you can uh, learn the words because we're also adding uh, images to, to all the words. If it's uh, like a sun or if it's a tree, there is an image beside that also that you can add if, if you're really on, on that level of, of learning. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting time. So it's, we, we see this like, uh, this is basically the dictionary's design. It's, it's rice and water to those who don't have anything uh, and, and we realize it's you know it is it's very simple. It's not sign language fully out since it's it's only a dictionary with words. But um, we we have gotten so so many good stories around the world that the people have actually learned how to communicate uh, with each other. I got this wonderful story from this this Carmen, this mom in Spain, and her son uh, had Hubert syndrome, three year old son, uh, which. Uh, he could hear, but he, he couldn't speak. Mm. So she sat with him in the lap, like every morning, and uh, learned word by word, mom, dad, breakfast, doll. So this was mm. a thank you mail from her, like from the bottom of her heart. Thank you. Thanks to you. I, I now can communicate with my son. And uh, imagine how something as simple as that could help doing those great things so this uh, and I think that's that's something that drives us all in our organization when we get like that kind of buy effect of <laughs> oh absolutely yeah sure and you know communication is is absolutely something that you know can be easily taken for granted like being able to wake up in the morning and communicate to your son that breakfast is ready or your you know yeah. your dad's leaving for work whatever the case may be and yeah. uh you know harnessing the power of technology like you said and just making it accessible and really just seeing the opportunity yeah. of this this huge growth in iPhones and mobile devices and um, just the internet harnessing the the accessibility to it and making yeah. that you know that gap just bridging it in in such a an innovative way. It's really fascinating. This Innovate series features dialogue with some of the most influential advocates for changing our world. From the CEOs and founders of major nonprofits to the directors of cultural and academic institutions, Innovate demonstrates the vital role of empathy as an agent for that change. Innovate and Aspire are produced in partnership with Ashoka, Innovators for the Public, the Kellogg Fellows Leadership Alliance, and the Philadelphia Social Innovations Journal, and presented by Art Street Press and the Public Radio Exchange. We now return to our Innovate interview with Director of Special Projects Anne Elizio and Dennis Lennartson, CEO and founder of the European Sign Language Center.
I'm interested in what kind of partnerships the, the ESLC has forged over the years. Um, does it work with civic organizations within Sweden or um, what kind of organizations does it partner with? Yeah, uh, well, we have the Reach, Reach for Change, uh, which is a, a partner which gives our uh, the opportunity to, to uh, connect with their network. And also I, uh, I become an Ashoka Fellow uh, last year. Uh, which uh, is uh, also a huge network uh, where they have, have over 3,000 3, so social entrepreneurs uh, in the world. It was founded by Bill Drayton in the 80s mm -hmm. in America. Yes. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's growing also in, in Scandinavia, uh, this uh, Ashoka. And I have just started to, to grasp, you know, to, to check into the network. And it's, uh, it's, it's amazing how, how great it is. And... Uh, uh, also, we have collaborated uh, uh, some within our community in in, uh, in Sweden, and uh, uh, about a third of our twenty five establishments are universities, uh, uh, where where they hold the Spedestein establishments as as, as the national official uh, uh, dictionary uh, office, and that's. How how we want it to work. We want uh, every country to be to be proud of what they're doing because uh, sometimes they're they're not uh, always funded. We got 15 of our 25 countries now in an EU project that we got funds to go from like uh, 5,000 signs in some countries up to 15,000. So and that wow. that pretty much cover a whole. You can't get much more signs than that. And and um, so and even after that, when when we see that we we have a, a project time uh, like with this Leonardo da Vinci fund, EU fund, uh, where we get grants for, for every country uh, after the, uh, the time is, is over and uh, they pretty much can, well, they can't shut it down because mm -hmm. we sit on the server and, and hold all the rights, but they, they can stop work with it. Or, But they really want, as I see, we, we, we empower them with the tools necessary and with the admin and everything that makes it possible for them to document sign language. And so they don't pay anything for that. And we see it in, in return, we get more signs in, into the database. And, and they also, they're very proud of, of hosting, hosting, hosting this uh, spread design, being like an official spread design, uh, like ambassador in a, in a country. It's, it's, uh, it, it, uh, creates a community around that. For instance, in, uh, in the University of Porto in, in Portugal, there's about up to 20 people working with Spedesign there. You've got linguistic skilled people, and you've got interpreters, and you've got uh, scientists, and uh, they, they get a lot of visits from Portuguese-speaking countries in, in Africa, and uh, they have exchange students, and uh, they use the video content in to build it into an uh, educational uh, package so and that's great that's what we want it to, to be you know so so the the, the basic what, what we have the raw material is all those 250,000 signs and it, it's 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 supposed to uh, and it is there to be used and I, I have been in, in contact also with the Wikipedia in, in Sweden uh, and uh, told them that we, we we are willing to give away our you know 
rights to the science if you can spread them on Wikipedia so that when you go into a site and search for banana in uh, India, for instance, you have an image of banana and how do you sign banana in India? That is a way to empower and heighten the status uh, of uh, a, a nation's uh, relation to land language if, it's, if they're oppressed and they're not allowed to use it. But if it's all over, you know, you, you're, it's, it's bound to happen, you know. Right. And if, if you look at it globally, 500 million sign language users, because hmm. uh, if you count in, I, I, I told you before, it was uh, about 70 million deaf. But right. those deaf, they have children, they have parents, they have friends. Sure. So uh, shortly counted, it's, it's, it's at least 500 million sign language users. And wow. that's, that's how many Facebook users that there is today. Sure. So we can do a parallel to that. So we think we can collect those 500 million sign language users. That, that could be a powerful way to tell a government in, in Pakistan or Bangladesh mm -hmm. that, hey, this is a language and it should be official and we should have the right to, to speak. Absolutely. You can no longer ignore that population because, like you said, it, right. it reaches beyond the deaf, you know, the, the deaf communities. It's their family, their friends, their their colleagues. To you, what would it, what would the world look like that had a fully integrated sign language as a key means of communication? What would that look like? Would there be more opportunities in terms of jumping off from the ability to read and write? Obviously, that opens so many doors. So what would the what would that look like to you with this fully integrated model where countries are recognizing the need to that these populations can no longer be ignored? Yeah, well, uh, I think everyone, everyone can uh, everyone uh, can use sign language in a day to day. And, and in a world where every, everyone knew sign language, you would be able to tell your son on the bus, uh, school bus, who's going on a picnic, that uh, dad loves you, and I see you don't have to scream through the glass, and <laughs> right. you go diving with a friend, mm -hmm. not only knowing the four signs of shark, uh, right. <laughs> I'm out of air, right. and two more, you can have like fully conversations, right. and also, uh, yeah, even if you're, uh, if you're hearing and, and you're on a concert, uh, you could you could uh, have a full conversation with your friend standing twenty meters away, not hearing anything of what you're saying. Or at the, uh, so and and I when I was traveling, uh, I was in New York with my with my brother, and we were going back through Heathrow. Uh, there was uh, this clerk uh, working for the for the airline. Uh, he he saw that my brother was hearing impaired, and he he used sign language. He was just saying. Uh, Something like uh, thank you and goodbye, and you can go to the gate there. And and I saw this like sparkle in my brother's eye, and 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 that's why. We, what if everyone knew sign language? And all you basically, all you need to do is learn 100 signs, and you can do so much. If if you're working at the you know, as a bus driver or uh, in a supermarket, and, and you know the like 100 most common signs uh, for. Uh, uh, for the supermarket or the, like the uh, travel agency, you you can go really far. And imagine a society where everyone in use new sign language, where mm -hmm. you can use it at the library, you can use it as I said, distances through bulletproof glass. I mean, every, a lot of uh, people use it. They use it in the military. They use it uh, like in, in some in the industrial sector. And mm -hmm. as I said, when when diving, when it is like made up signs. Uh, poetry is very beautiful. You can probably find some really nice YouTube wow. clips of, of people reading yeah. poetry in in sign language. It's it's so nice. And uh, also, 
I mean, you can learn a six-month-old baby about 100 signs. So months before, uh, like a year before you can speak, you can communicate with your daughter or son wow. who is six months old and they could say dog in sign language or change diaper, <laughs> I'm hungry. So that scream, wah, you know what exactly that is if, if you start learning in sign language. Uh, there's so many and also you see uh, they use some, uh, uh, like in Sweden, uh, where people get uh, dementia and, uh, and Alzheimer's, they, they see that uh, sign language is a really useful tool for that. So sign language also, we, we did a study in Sweden with uh, six-year-olds. My, my daughter, uh, when she was six and started to learn how to, to read in, in school, we did this project with two other schools. And we wanted to see how our normal hearing kids affected by sign language. And, and what we find, found was that they started to, to read faster than uh, the other ones uh, at school. Because uh, as we are, you know, we count on our fingers. One plus two is three. And you look at your three fingers and you say, yeah, you have one in the left hand and two in the right. It's three. And uh, the letters in A, B, C very much reminds of, of how you're writing it. So you, you get an extra visual intelligence in, in how to learn first A, B, C, and then you start learning the words. And this is a super tool, uh, especially if, you're, if, you're, uh, if you also have a problem. Uh, there's always a, like three or four or five percent of, of the kids uh, in school. They are a little bit left behind because they're born late or they are just uh, having difficulties uh, reading. This is an extra tool for them, so they don't get left behind. And uh, that, that was what the, what the study showed. And uh, we got in, inspired by our uh, Portuguese, Portuguese partner. And uh, uh, she was a teacher for a deaf school first. And then uh, she switched school and she got a hearing class. Uh, she couldn't, uh, she just felt that, well, I, I have to read them sign language. And uh, the, the principal of the school, it was curious because th this specific class, class uh, they, they could read already while the other kids are like two months left before they normally could read and so, so, so she did like a secret project but, so that inspired us to, to do a study in Sweden and that pretty much showed the same result that using an extra intelligence like your image memory and uh, gives you an extra tool uh, uh, that are, that's really helpful. And I can count many, many other sectors that where sign language is, is uh, could be very useful. But yeah, um, but, but uh, yeah, we're on, we're on, uh, we're on our way. Uh, 2020, we will have I think 50. We are growing by, we are growing by five countries wow. per year, uh, uh, and the, the countries we look at next is Bangladesh, Pakistan, and China, like big. Yes population countries because there we see we, we can help the most people and it's the same costs for us you know and we, we being an NGO we always try to cut the cost and what we see the cheapest way to to document the sign language dictionary now is to fly in people from that nation uh, usually it's 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 enough with two people one linguistic and one interpreter or like uh, from India we had a deaf uh, sign language teacher and we had a hearing interpreter and uh, in uh, two weeks, we can document about 10,000 signs, which is like, 
you're pretty much done there. So they can go back to, to India and uh, we have some post-production, you know, in editing the signs and putting them up and like a month later, uh, it's accessible to uh, a billion and a half Finnians. So, so that's how, how quick it, it, it works. And when, when, we, when we started in, in 05, 06 as an EU party, it, it took about two years to document 5,000 signs because you needed a French filmer and a Spanish uh, uh, interpreter and a linguist. And it was, yeah, so we, we have... We have really worked our way down to to a system that works. And now, when we're working on the new spread design to point zero, we want it more to be be like a community uh, platform where you can share signs and we we can see a biologic growth where where we not are depending on the structure that we have today, but more like more like Wikipedia, where you have Wikipedians that are proofreaders of the uh, of the science, we could have spread designers. We can use our establishments establishments more like proofreaders uh, to people that are uh, uh, kind enough to to share science, uh, film themselves with their iPhone in an instant. You could just put it up there, and oops, we have the sign for orange in Chinese. Yeah. Wow. So that wow. so that's uh, yeah that's what we're aiming for now. So uh, we we want to be super efficient and super uh, cheap and uh, yeah we we, we uh, as a non non profit organization it's it's really hard to you really need to look at like the business model and and how how can we survive if we I mean pretty much. Uh, if if uh, me and Thomas gets run over by the bus or our, our server crashed down, you have like a third of the world's sign languages uh, <laughs> going away. We don't. Well, we have backup, and of course we do have. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a scary thought, and it, it almost happened this uh, December last year when the server broke down, and we we had a really mm. small sheet backup that that saved like 90% of what we had but if we wouldn't have had that we would have been smoked so yeah but you know yeah we're not we're really small but we have you know we coordinate about 150 people in 25 countries we have four employed in in Örebro but uh, every employed is uh, really key uh, we don't have unnecessary mm -hmm. staff like the, yeah. uh, in the government. Yeah. No, but yeah, sure. efficient. Or, uh, sure. Yeah. And I think along with that efficiency, you know, just going back to the, you know, this being essentially a very efficient and wonderful way to use technology and how quickly technology can spread a model like this across the world. But, you know, like what you said, when, when the server crashes, it's kind of a, um, again, something we might take for granted, just that access to something that can help us in so many ways. But, yeah. um, having a backup I'm, I'm sure seems pretty pretty crucial for something like this yeah. um wow and i think too uh, i just wanted to touch on this as well that you know many people don't realize that initial gap you know when babies are just learning to communicate and just essentially making noises and there's yeah. such a there's such an opportunity there yeah. and you know this this model's ability to potentially start you know start the communication between parents and children at a, an earlier age can only increase their you know their capacity to learn yeah. and their ability to read faster it's it's you know not many models can do that and and see that no. that gap that most of us think oh you know babies they'll start reading and writing and communicating at this age it's a normal time but this can really open up 
so many avenues for communication at such an earlier age. I think it's it's yeah. truly wow. It's it's so fascinating. You you can learn an ape about uh, eighty to hundred signs. Like gorillas are really adaptable to to signs, and there are documentaries about that uh, too. It, it's really interesting in how they express themselves in. Uh, and I have uh, our developer's son. He's like two years old. He's uh, he's very quiet when with his dad. Well, apparently he, he doesn't hear, so he knows that. Uh, and uh, when communicating with him, he he need to touch his leg or his arm to see, uh, so they get eye contact, and then he says something, and he get to commit. And this was something that my daughter learned in school as well, because uh, their uh, their teacher from like first to third grade uh, six to eight years old he he was hearing impaired so he could speak and everything but but he knew sign language and but uh, for him it was important and when addressing him you need to have eye contact and you need to take turns so so they really learned something there that it's important to when communicating that you take the time and look that person in the eye and so you get that full contact, and today in our stressed society, we we hmm. rarely do that. You know, we, we want to do so many things. You know, watch the TV and speak and check the iPhone at the same time, right. computer and do right. work mails, and uh, so it's a beautiful way to 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 communicate. Uh, sure. Hmm. And it, again, it obviously doesn't. You know, it's not just affecting the the non-hearing uh, or the the hearing impaired and the deaf. It's so much bigger than that and just increasing in communication across the board. Yeah. And I would like to quickly touch on the cost-effective way, um, you touched on this a little bit before, that using Spread the Sign and the, the Sign yeah. Language Center's tools is more effective than using an interpreter. Can you talk to us about this this discrepancy in costs and how that kind of fleshes out? Well, uh, as I mentioned, uh, if, if you look at the there's always need for interpreters. I mean, our dictionary has has their limits, but but we can fill the gap where uh, when it comes to uh, using the the T3, the text to sign device, uh, into uh, text, and uh, it it would cost like the Örebro Council about ten million crowns to uh, hire in in. in in the interpreter and do that film production for those 10,000 pages, whereas hmm. we can offer them. We have a plug-in license now for the council, which is tailor-made for about uh, $30,000 the first year, and then it's like half the price of that, because in those $30,000, half the cost of that, it's, it's a sign language production, because we have built an, a device where we can match we have the 20,000 sign, but then you have genuine words for every uh, web place. Mm. Like, uh, uh, so we see that uh, w when we match this into our device, we see that there's about 2,000 new signs that needs to be signed again, and we can motivate the costs for that. So that, that's pretty much like part of the efficiency and business model. And, and when, when I speak to the service center in, in Örebro, where I'm from, they, they can see this as a really useful tool, especially for new coming Swedes coming from, like from refugees and they don't have any language at all. Hmm. Is it the quickest way to, to learn uh, a language is through sign language and we, we see this in, in so many ways that uh, learning just word by word. Of course sign language is more complicated than that. They have their own grammar and they have their own uh, structure but le learning word by word 
really saves the society time and money just just by using a simple device like that. But it can never be replaced, of course, by a, a real interpreter. Um, like for instance, if you're going to a, a wedding or or a, or a funeral uh, where you have like deaf and hearing uh, families, mm. uh, you want to have a, a real interpreter. But when it comes to just interpret uh, uh, text from internet, or even there are some some people that uh, do have. Re- we we must uh, be reminded that. Uh, uh, the sign language for deaf in Sweden is their first language, and the second language is uh, is Swedish, like Swedish uh, text, uh, and uh, it, it is uh, it is quite different when it comes to to the to the grammar. When, uh, uh, but um, especially the T three tool is uh, we can see the massive help it can do in those countries where. As I mentioned, eighty percent of uh, of deaf cannot cannot read at all. So that could probably save a lot of cost. You know, just by imagine if you're if you're deaf and and you're illiterate and you want to read about where where can I take my child to uh, to the yeah. hospital or a vaccine? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It affects so many people other than you know other than the hearing impaired. Just in a like in that microcosm, you know, just one yeah. person. Um, not being able to read that information, it's crucial. Yeah. You, you mentioned that um, by 2020, you'd like to expand into 50 countries, and you're now expanding at a rate of five countries per year, which is which is fantastic. Um, yeah. So, you know, to close out, Dennis, what what advice would you offer a young social entrepreneur who's set devote set on devoting his or her life? to improving the lives the lives of others you know someone that maybe had tried you know gone down a different path trying photography and going into advertising and then feeling yourself pulled into this realm of social entrepreneurship what what advice would you offer him or her in staying on this path and and getting through the challenges and remaining faithful to your mission i think it's it sounds like a cliche but if you if you follow your heart and if you if if you're not stupid enough to to put up obstacles or because normally like individuals they they put up the the hardest challenges for, for themselves and it's hard to work around it but uh, I, I think if you have a if you have an idea of of how you can change uh, a society and, and you can see uh, that is possible it's, uh, then it's about following it and uh, um, but also I mean, you, you can do it to a certain extent uh, uh, but you also need to have uh, like some kind of um, business development thinking and there are tons of, of tons of advisors out there and mentors that they really want to help you so you don't have to be uh, best on everything if you have a great idea and if you're passionate and brave and are ready to invest in yourself and invest in that change then you will you will have followers that will complement you on the way so you're not alone uh, um, and that that's uh, what has been the most uh, i think valuable uh, experience for me with also with with reach for change and their support in in uh, in me as a social entrepreneur as to 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 help me focus on what i do best and and they help out 
uh, with the rest because uh, I think everyone everyone also feels so good helping others. Uh, so I think you have to put yourself in a, in a context, uh, yeah, where where you can uh, f follow your your road and your ambition, and and uh, especially if you're re really interested in something and you believe it, you 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 will have. Uh, followers and if you don't have followers you just go out and ask and then they will they will help you i think so many people that want to help you out there yes absolutely so remaining steadfast to your mission and realizing that in the larger context there are others who who see the world in the way that you do yeah great advice they can certainly take that and run with it dennis i appreciate that the best way to reach dennis and to support the european sign language center's work is through signlanguage.eu is that correct dennis yeah, or you can go through spreadthesign.com. But signlanguage.eu, that's our like uh, organization's uh, website, and you you find the uh, contact information there. So if you're if you're calling from Google and want to have the text design device having being developed for American Sign Language, that would probably be a good place to to start. Great. So spreadthesign.com and signlanguage.eu. So the right. listeners can click on the webpage links above this podcast for further details. Dennis, it's been a true pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Anne. Thank you for joining us today. Our library of interviews and a range of further resources may be found at archstreetpress.org or prx.org.